I felt that if you're dedicated, if you have determination, and you've got diplomacy and discipline, those were my four Ds, and those four Ds certainly helped me in my career, and they still do to this day. People are so precious and so important. You can't beat love, Shirley. Well, that's what they tell me. <laughs> Welcome to Elder Wisdom Stories from the Green Bench. My name is Erin Davis, and today I have the pleasure of sharing the company of two lovely, funny, and charming gentlemen. And one of them is my co-host, and in a moment you're going to meet Doug Robinson. He's 87 and lives at Sandalwood Park in Brampton. It's just one of the Schlegel Village's retirement and long-term care residences, and this podcast is the brainchild of the Schlegel family. It's long been patriarch Ron Schlegel's belief that, and I quote, the greatest untapped resource in Canada, if not the world, is the collective wisdom of our elders. The perfect example is today's guest. Harold Quinn resides at the village of Arbor Trails in Guelph. He's 92, and his philosophy is, if I can't eat it or read it, I don't need it. He's hungry to learn and eager to chat, so let's go. Well, Doug, it is so nice to be with you, especially for our golden, our 50th episode in our fourth season here on the Green Bench. How about that, huh? Hey, you can't beat that, Aaron. It's all because of you. You're the true mm -hmm. professional. Oh, no, no, no. This is truly a team effort. And you know what? We wouldn't have nearly as many downloads or listens to our podcast as the 75,000 plus that we have now gratefully and humbly accrued, were it not for the wonderful guests like our Harold Quinn, who is 92 years old. As we've mentioned, he resides in the village of Arbor Trails in Guelph. He's there with Katie Lambert, who is making sure that everything goes just perfectly today. And now I've jinxed it. But how wonderful to have you with us, Harold. So Hark, it's Harold's turn to not sing, but shine. And here he is. Welcome, Harold. Thanks for joining us. Well, it's it's a pleasure. I, I question whether or not uh, I should be classed with anybody who is, is speaking from a, a base of wisdom, but oh come we'll on, see. you've got a PhD in chemistry. I mean, really? I, yes, yes. <laughs> and you worked. That was a long time ago. Oh yeah, but you know what? What we've learned about you, and what we're going to learn in the next thirty minutes or so, I think we will prove without a shadow of a doubt that you have not lost an ounce or a gram or whatever chemists say in your sharpness. So thank you so much for joining us. We've got a lot of questions for you. And of course, we're sort of focusing on community. And you are someone who loves to bring people together. So let's bring Doug back in here on the green bench. And Doug, kick it off for us, will you, love? Yes, certainly. Harold, Shagel Village founder Ron Shagel has said the greatest untapped resource in Canada, if not the world, it's the collective wisdom of our elders. These words inspired the creation of the Green Bench, which we are sitting on today. You tapped into some of this knowledge, expertise and experience in the Peer Learning Group. Can you tell us more about the Peer Learning Group that you were part of? Well, it, it 
was an activity group in the village by the Arboretum, a retirement community, uh, which is on the same site as Arbor Trails. Um, it was called peer learning because the programming is all based on on talks given by residents of the community. That's where the peer learning bit came in. And um, I was a facilitator of that for seven years. When my my, my wife's health came, became such that uh, I, I couldn't continue with that, no one else held up their hand to take it over, uh, it went into abeyance. But I had previously bought a couple of courses from the U.S. firm called The Great Courses. One was entitled The Neuroscience of Everyday Life. And I... Um, started looking at that on my computer, and I said, why am I sitting here watching this all by myself? There may be others who would be interested as well. So I made some inquiries, and some others thought so too. So we started a group called Learning Together. And these are courses with uh, anywhere from 12 to 36 half-hour lectures, mm -hmm. um, with the same lecture for the whole course. And... Uh, when I started that, I had about 20 to 25 people coming out. Sometimes it went up to as high as 40. Um, but then when that course had ended, uh, we had purchased some more. And so I think it's my fifth course that I'm on right now, which is called The World's Greatest Geological Wonders. Ooh, tell us one. Well, uh, give an example. Um, tomorrow morning we'll have one. And the, the first lecture is entitled The Grand Canyon. Ah. the Earth's layers, and we, we run two in a one-hour period, and the second was is entitled The Himalayas, The Roof of, oh. the, of the World. Wow. So you go from the bottom to the top. Yes. Um, wow. We've, we've already dealt with one that was Canadian-based so far, and that is the, uh, the slate fossil area in the Rockies. Ah. But I, I have about 20 people coming out to this lecture so far. Do you discuss them afterwards? No, because I don't think there's any one of us who is able to answer questions that some other might have. Ah. Harold, you say you watch TVO. Uh, they have so many interesting programs on there. The other night I watched uh, one, and it was about the five lakes, Great Lakes, and I didn't realize how many wild animals live around our lakes and they, they have one lake I'm not sure which one it was where they have a 250 year old sturgeon swimming around it's so fascinating to watch something like that well that um, that might well be uh, uh, Lake Superior yeah which is is the deepest of the lakes yeah, yeah. we need to know which lake so I never swim in <laughs> I Old days creeping in, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I will take Harold's take on that, that it might well be superior. Did you do a lot of traveling in your job and with your wife in your life to kind of see some of these extraordinary places up close and personal, Harold? Well, we, um, we traveled a little bit uh, while I was still working. It was usually as a result of my having to go somewhere and work, and my wife went along, but... Most of our travel has been after I retired. In the 90s and the first decade of this century, we did a lot of traveling. The furthest from here was Japan. Ooh. 
Well, our eldest son, who's a veterinarian, was working in Japan at that time, and he he uh, stayed there for eight years. But we went on an organized tour, and uh, of course, we saw Mount Fuji, mm-hmm. and Mount Fuji is on this list of the world's greatest geological wonders. Really. Wow. So it's a little like a busman's holiday to go to these places that so fascinated you in your life. And now, of course, you are an avid reader and you're also on your computer a lot. I know Doug wants to talk to you about reading, but first, my hat is off to you because you opened your mind to opening your computer. And as I think you said, you went like 74 years without one, and now you wouldn't live without one. Well, I guess I would continue to live, but not happily. <laughs> <laughs> there you uh, go. Too true. Well, it's it's the source of so much information. Disney Plus has some, some wonderful travelogues. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So beautiful. Oh, that's wonderful. People don't know what they're missing if they're not, you know, opening the computer and, and having the world at their fingertips. It is like reading, isn't it, Doug? Yes, sure. Harold, I'm an avid reader, too. And my go-to authors are John Grisham, Ken Follett, David Baldacci, and Jeffrey Archer. Who do you like to read? I've I've read a number of Ken Follett's books. Yeah. I, I like historical fiction. Yeah, yeah. But recently, I've been reading a number of books by Kate Quinn. No, no relative. Uh-huh. But, uh-huh. Um, well, the, the first one that I read was The Alice Network. Mm-hmm. which was a very popular book. But she has written uh, three more uh, with sort of uh, 20th century wars as, a, as the uh, setting. The, the second in that was a Huntress. The next one was The Rose Code. And her most recent one is Diamond Eye. And uh, she builds a story around real people who were doing something during the war, either the first or second war, uh, and it becomes a, a really a very fascinating story. And again, that author's name is Kate Quinn. In case anyone's looking for it, and Doug, while we're here, I will recommend to you Linwood Barkley, yes, an Ontario writer, and he gets shoutouts from Stephen King. He's just the most marvelous writer. What is it, Harold, that reading gives to you? And I do love that you love historical based fiction or stories that can kind of open our eyes to things that did or might have gone on in a certain period of history of which we know but seem to know so little. Well, as uh, as you already know, I was trained as a scientist. Mm-hmm. And I, I worked in industry for 32 years, chemical industry. And uh, while I was working, I didn't have a lot of time to read uh, Casual reading, if you like. It all had to be related to science or or the type of work I was doing. But uh, I find the Kate Quinn books um, more interesting than the Ken Follett because I can relate more to what was happening in the 20th century. Yes, yes. Ken Follett was, was largely back in the 16th, 17th century. Yeah, he's just, actually, Harold, he's just written a new one on today's uh, events, uh, he has a lady uh, president in the States. He has a character after the uh, Donald Trump and uh, North Korea, China. It's a very fascinating read. It certainly sounds like fiction, though. <laughs> 
Oh, it, it, it was fiction. <laughs> well, the bomb went Thanks off. Thanks for yeah. the spoiler there very much. Honestly. <laughs> oh, Doug. I, well, I, I say I, I hope I live to see um, a woman as Prime Minister of Canada. Um, I doubt that I'll live to see a woman as President of the U.S., although it would be, it would be nice, I think, for that society. We did have a lady prime minister. Yes, that's right, Kim Campbell. Well, not that we elected. No, yeah. That was yeah. just for a cup of coffee yeah. and a few paintings, but that was it. That's <laughs> right, yes. Now, Harold, you are not only an avid reader, but you've also written a memoir for your grandkids. That's fascinating. Why was that important to you? Well... After I retired, I started working on our family genealogy, and I realized that I wished I had talked more with my grandparents. And as a matter of fact, I I realized also that I didn't really talk about their history with my own parents as much as I should have done, because I can't tell you how they met. Uh. So I decided that while I'm still around, it would be not a bad idea to document my life and hope that it might be of some benefit for my grandchildren down the road. That's great, because we don't even know the questions to ask when we're young. I mean, it wasn't until my grandparents had their 50th anniversary that we found out my grandmother had been married before my grandfather. I mean, oh, really? This, I'm <laughs> telling you, there, there were a few spilled beers over that news. I'll tell you what. But yeah, you got to be careful the questions you ask. But Harold, uh, I'm assuming somewhere back not too far, your people came from the old country, right? They came from Ireland? From Ireland, yeah. oh yes, for certain. Yeah. I have a, a few drops of English and Scottish blood in me, but not enough that matters. Ah, okay. Yeah, hey, English does matter. You're yeah, all right. Yeah, Doug has a few drops of scotch <laughs> in him, so there you go. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. And you know what? I love what you've said, Harold, of course, everything so far, but that there are two types of residents, those who wait to be entertained and those who make it happen. And this reminds me of something I used to say to our daughter as a teenager, and it was just another reason for her to dislike us then. But if she would say, I'm bored, I'd say, only boring people get bored. Find something interesting. <laughs> and, you know, nobody wants to hear that. But it kind of resonates in what you've said. What advice would you give to somebody who's waiting to be entertained about making it happen themselves? Well, s some of those, of course, are... Uh individuals who are suffering some memory loss oh, yes. they're still they're still uh, able to live independently or semi-independently here our recreation department does a phenomenal job there's almost no day in the week when something isn't happening that is intended to entertain whether it be musical or movies we have a movie crew which uh, meets the first week of the month to choose movies for the next month. And it's basically led by a member of the recreation uh, group. Can you tell us some of the movies that people see there at the uh, Village of Arbor Trails? We have eight or nine movies a month. Hmm. Uh, the last one I saw was The Road to Perdition. Oh, with Paul Newman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not a not a happy movie, but yeah. no. But considered to be one of Tom Hanks' best performances, but it's so overshadowed by everything else he's done. Yes, yes. Wow. But, 
We try to, over the course of the month, to have at least one comedy, at least one musical, at least one crime story, mm-hmm. maybe a life story, a documentary based on life, someone's life. Yeah. At any rate, we, we like to bear the entertainment. The The number of people who come, you know, range from half a dozen to, to 20 or so. Hmm. But for, for me... I noticed that there was nothing on Saturday evenings. And that's how the Saturday Night Comedy Hour came into being. Don't tell me you do stand-up comedy. No, no, no. Far from it. Oh, okay. But but, um, (laughs) my wife has been four years in long-term care now Mm. uh, and with Parkinson's and and dementia. But when uh, dementia became part of the picture while I was still caring for her, I bought a set of Carol Burnett discs. We used to watch Carol Burnett religiously. Mm-hmm. And does that name ring a bell with you at all? Oh, God, yes, of course. Harold, do you know what? I have danced with Carol Burnett. Oh, really? Yes, I had a lovely dance with her. It was at Elizabeth Taylor's 50th birthday party. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, how about that one? Yeah. Uh, well, you can't just drop those names and not tell us how were you at the party, Doug? Well... They were making a movie back in 1985-86 and it was a movie made for HBO Mm -hmm. and Elizabeth Taylor and Carol Burnett had the top floor of the Four Seasons and then, as I said, it was uh, Elizabeth Taylor's 50th birthday so all the crew members that were doing the film uh, were invited to a birthday party and at that time, she was going with the Mexican called Lacuna. <laughs> and uh, the, we had a really nice uh, birthday party for her. And, of course, they had a huge cake there, which, would, of course, didn't get eaten. So Doug took it home with him ah! for, because my wife's birthday is the same day as Elizabeth Taylor's. So my wife got Elizabeth Taylor's birthday cake for her birthday. Lovely. (laughs) And listen in for more chapters from the story of Doug Takes the Cake. Oh, that's fantastic. By the way, that film was called Between Friends, and it was released in 1983. Oh, really? Okay, but you're talking about her sitcom. You're talking about her variety show. That's correct. I have discs with about 30 of her programs, but I also have uh, some Bob Hope discs, uh, Red Skeleton, but I've just started the last couple of weeks um, bringing up uh, Wayne and Schuster Canadian programs on YouTube. Oh, Oh. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Most of the people here can relate to all of those folk. Great. Yeah. And even the comedy of Red Skelton, there was this one sketch that he did where he was turning 70. I think it was the uh, Royal Command performance for HBO. And so he says, I play a lot of retirement homes. I'm in the States, this one called Sun City in Arizona. And he says, I'm old, I'm old. And this woman there, this little old lady, he says to her, how old are you? And she says, 84. And he said, what do you do for excitement? And she said, oh, we date, we date. I had a date with a fellow that was 91, the rascal. I slapped him three times. And Red Skelton says, to her, you mean he got fresh? And she said, no, I wanted to see if he was still alive. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's Red Skelton. It sure is. It sure is. And uh, you know what? When you asked Harold if the name Carol Burnett rang a bell, I have to tell you, 
that in the past year, um, you've probably not been able to avoid promos or commercials for an AMC series called Better Call Saul. Well, Carol Burnett had a really important role in the final season of this hit, hit AMC show. She was in about four episodes, a really critical role. And now, as a result of this, you'll be very happy to hear that in an online Internet poll of everybody, probably 15 to 85, who said, who do you want to host SNL this season? Carol Burnett came number one. Number one. Saturday Night Live, yep. Harold, when a new resident comes into our sandalwood here, I go over and I introduce myself to them, and I like to know their nationality so that I can say good morning to them in their own language. I I have learned to say Katshriya Kal in Punjabi, Buongiorno in Italian, Bonjour in French, Good morning, Vigates in German, and Jindobri, Sasamesh in Polish, and in Greek, Galispera, Diganis, Galagalavstorsi. That's how I introduce myself to new residents, Harold. Wow. How do you go about it? In general, I say hello, my name is Harold Quinn, and usually I have found their name somewhere. We have one couple that moved in uh, not too long ago, and uh, I happened to see a bouquet down in the um, town square with their name on it. So I followed up on that, and uh, I've I've become quite good friends with them. But, um, yeah, if I see somebody new in a dining room, I usually introduce myself. And I I was very fortunate, of course, you see. When I moved here from Village by the Arboretum, about 30% of the residents here had been former residents of Village by the Arboretum. Ah, so ah. there were a lot of familiar faces, and I felt quite at home. But I realized that you know, the other 70% are not from the village by the Arboretum, and this is a new experience for them to move into this Arbor community, if you like. So there's nothing lost by introducing yourself to a newcomer. No, not, not at all. One thing I didn't mention is that... Uh, Recreation has on Tuesday mornings at at 10.30 a little event called Meeting of Minds. And the the recreation representative shows, well, we have the choice of two or three different TED Talks. Mm -hmm. And we identify one that might be of interest, and uh, the TED Talk is shown. And then we meet and discuss the subject that it was dealing with. Oh, I like that. And we have about a dozen people coming out to it, yes. Yeah. The TED Talk this past Tuesday was on what for you is home. Hmm. And most of us have had many homes over the year. I did a count, and I think this is the 15th place that I've lived since I was born. Wow. And (laughs) it's very interesting to see what people come up with, but of some significance, certainly to Slagos, is that most of us said, for us now, this is home. Oh. And if when we come home, we come back to Slagles. Wow. To Arbor Trails. That's so true, Harold. I, I've been in here nearly three years now, and I have a room, 
but it's my home. I I feel so happy there. I can go and sit in and watch my uh, TV with the uh, Dean Martin roast and have a laugh on my own mm-hmm. and whatever. But Shagel make you feel real at home. They really do. Well, the advantage that we have, you see, is if we want to be by ourselves, we go back to our suite and do what we wish to do. Yep. If we want a company, we just go down to uh, either the dining room, where all of us show up at least twice a day, or the town square or the town hall, and find social activity. Boy, you know what? This sounds really corny, but I love the sound of where you are. Where you are in your lives, both of you, where you're living, that sense of community. And frankly, my husband and I live alone in this house and quite apart from a small town nearby. I crave, I'm actually envious of your sense of community that both of you have. I think the last two years have made us all kind of lean into our hermetic existences. And yet, there you are, you've pushed through, you've masked your way to still being together. And as I say, I know it sounds corny as heck, but I'm actually envious of you both. Well, you know, um, we moved to Guelph in 2010 to be closer to our youngest son and his wife. But we we bought a house in Village by the Arboretum. And it's also called a village for that same reason, mm. for a sense of community. There are uh, 500 individual houses and then about 90 condos, which make up part of that village. But uh, there are 90 different activity groups. Wow. Um, and so anyone moving there has has uh, ample opportunity to get involved in something that is of interest to them. Wow. Well, I'll tell you, if we didn't have grandkids a six-minute drive away from here, I'd be I'd be telling Rob to pack us up. But do something about your winters, will you? I do like it here on Vancouver Island. Well, I, I, I can appreciate that. <laughs> You're a chemist. But, you do know, something. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, climate change may solve yes. any problems or introduce new problems for you. Yes, and it's good to hear you say that. Because, well, it's not good to hear you say that, but you know what I mean. There are so many yeah, I know. still yeah. deniers uh, uh, inexplicably. Let's talk a little bit about where your memoir that you've written might begin, because you started on a farm, very poor. How did you get your way to a PhD? Will you? Can you give us the Coles notes, as we used to say on that one, Harold? Well, we we didn't think we were poor, you know, mm. because everybody around us, other farmer, farmers were just the same way. Right. But uh, I had a one-room elementary school about a mile away that we walked to, uh, if the weather was favorable. And then I took a bus to a high school in a village about uh, 15 miles away. And it, uh, it was my science teacher in that high school that stimulated my interest in chemistry. Hmm. And uh, I don't want to brag, but I was a pretty good student. Clearly. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, you know, living in that area, uh, Queen's University was the only one I was aware of mm. in Kingston. Right. Because, because we were about 20 miles from Kingston. Okay. But in any event, any event I, I won a scholarship to Queen's. And uh, I decided to go into what was called applied science. Um, which today is called engineering and applied science, but applied science at Queens at that time enc- encompasses all of the engineering disciplines, but they had one called engineering chemistry. 
So I, I graduated with that, and then I took a master's degree at Queen's as well in physical chemistry, and then went on to the University of Toronto for another two years uh, for the PhD. Wow. Uh, also work in physical chemistry. But I had decided that I didn't want to go in academia. I didn't think I'd be a very good professor. But I was interested in research, and uh, Dow Chemical in Canada had just opened a new, what they called, exploratory research lab at their Sarnia facility. And I, I considered myself qualified to do independent research. And so for about 10 years, I did that. The rationale was that we choose to do research that we think might have some longer-term benefit for the company. Ah. After a period of time, I was offered a, a managerial position in uh, plastics technology. And then, you know, to my surprise, a couple of uh, management opportunities in, in manufacturing. And one of those was the one that took me to British Columbia as mm. site manager of the facility out there. Then I came back to Sarnia as manager of research and development. And then my last job was a corporate job, director of environmental sciences. We got very much involved with environmental activities at that time, <laughs> especially government activity. Ah, uh, okay. So when I retired, we moved to Kingston, having grown up in that area. Yeah. And we wanted to retire in a university town. When we moved back to Kingston, uh, I got somewhat involved at Queens, too. I I took a number of credit courses in the theological college there. Oh, what a departure from chemistry. You went from science to spiritual. That's very interesting. Well, I'll tell you, I chose courses that didn't have any final exams. Ah. <laughs> oh, wait till the pearly gates, Harold. You'll find out. You'll find out about the final exams. Oh, well, I, goodness. I had, I had enough exam experience in the first 25 years of my life, you know, to... Uh, yep. To want to avoid that. I find it interesting to hear you say you didn't think you had teacher in you because I could listen to you and I know Doug as well for forever talking about everything. What an education you had, Harold. I left school at 15, but boy, what a wonderful life I've had. I, I wish I had had a better education than I got. Yeah, well, you know, I had, I had not li listened to a... A podcast until this afternoon, and the first one I listened to was the one with Ron Schlegel. Ah, and he made a comment the effect that it's not education that counts; it's learning that counts, and the two are not synonymous. Absolutely, life is learning. It is. It is. And you know, when we were in Kingston, we went to a program called Later Life Learning, and it was well named because the. Uh, we were all, at least in our late 60s or 70s at that time. But now that we're in our 90s, uh, there's no reason why we shouldn't still retain that philosophy, I think. Absolutely. And Harold, I know that many people listening today are going, wait, this guy's 92? So we do have to ask you if you have a philosophy on to the best of anyone's ability, because there are so many mitigating factors over which we have no control whatsoever, as, of course, in the case of your wife with Parkinson's and dementia. But if you could tell us what you think your key, not only to longevity, but to the sharpness of your acuity, your mind, what would that be, Harold? 
Well, I, I often say I'm glad that I'm here, but I'm glad also that I know that I'm here. Oh, amen. How true. That is beautiful. Well, you know, my wife has no quality of life. She just is in her wheelchair or, or in bed. Right. Same as my wife, Harold. Mm. Yeah, and quality of life revolves around still being able to do things that or participate in things that are of interest to you. And and when you lose your mental capability, you lose that opportunity. And so much of that, of course, again, and I will qualify this by saying that there are many things that are out of people's hands, but there is so much benefit to using what you've got, to keeping your mind sharp, to doing Wordle or crosswords or word searches or watching shows that are intellectually stimulating it or reading and all of the things that you're doing. Harold, you're a wonder, and we are just so grateful to have had this time together. And that's all I can say about that without getting sued or something. So you know who I'm singing. <laughs> of, of course, of course. Oh, well, you know, I, I, I say also, life without laughs is not life. <laughs> we need to have we we need to have things to uh, generate a laugh. Still, okay. One thing I do, I, I have a friend uh, in the village by the Arboretum who sends each morning he sends a couple of e- emails that he has received entitled "Your Morning Smile." Ah. If I think they're appropriate, I copy them and then read them to my table mates or some other people. But uh, they they have to have a laugh associated for with them for me to do that. Do you have one on you? I can leave you with one little joke. Yes, please. Please. It said, I sent my friends a copy of a selfie that I took, and they said, we hope you'll get well soon. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. All right, this this is this has been a pleasure for me. Thank you. Thank you, Harold. I'm proud. The pleasure was ours. Oh, and yours too. I hope as you listened. Thanks to Katie Lammert and Jen Gould for their assistance, and of course our guest, the amazing Harold Quinn. And thanks again for sharing some time here with us, because this was our golden fiftieth episode of Elder Wisdom. We'll be back soon with our 51st episode and a brand new season. So be sure and subscribe so you don't miss it. We so look forward to reconnecting with you then. Meantime, please do share your thoughts and opinions on social media for us using hashtag Elder Wisdom and help others find us on this green bench. And if you would, take a moment to rate and review the Elder Wisdom podcast, or you can just go to elderwisdom.ca, find the link, and maybe fill out the Elder Wisdom pledge while you're there. Thanks again. And on behalf of Doug Robinson, I'm Erin Davis, and your spot on the green bench is ready and waiting. Elder Wisdom, Stories from the Green Bench, is brought to you by Schlegel Villages, A complete continuum of care, offering independent living to long-term care, celebrating and honoring the wisdom of the elder. To learn more about us, please go to our website, schlegelvillages.com.